Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Peterson. I had to go, I had to go anger bike. I just like biked up a hill um, because <laughs> I was so mad. I was up 20 goddamn points. Tyree Kill sucks. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so mad. And I, I thought I was going to be rich. <laughs> Fill an entire parking structure with that. Fill an entire baseball stadium. Yankee Stadium is filled with Lambos. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on the Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we will be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you are going to want to hear about. And we've got a lot going on this week, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Just for one thing, starting off with the NFL Midseason Awards, we're going to be... The, I believe it was NFL Access gave out their Midseason Awards, so we're going to be taking a peek at all of those and giving our own and... Uh, just giving our takes on their takes. Are they bad? Are they good? I know, but you don't. So we can talk about that. This is already off to a great start. If you can't tell, I'm a little sick. I'm going to open with that. So I'm going to sound like this for most of this podcast. Get used to it. Then we'll talk about the MLB, I believe, going into the some the free agency. It's all the talk in, that, in the baseball world right now. A lot of interesting names, including some from overseas, which you've, we've been starting to see in recent years. But it feels like there's a quite a few more, at least in this offseason. So we'll make sure to get into that and the impact it could have in the MLB next season. And then we've got the NHL, and we're going to be talking about the Pacific Division specifically. And what I mean by that is what the hell is happening in the Pacific Division We'll get into it more when we get there. Caleb, are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. All right. So as I believe we're on week nine of the NFL season has passed us by, uh, we're getting into kind of the midseason mark. Some teams that are at eight games, some teams are at nine. But either way, we're about halfway through the 17-game schedule. Some trends are starting to emerge. Um, and so like we talked about in the intro, I believe the NFL total access picked there. Uh, players for awards like MVP, Offensive Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Defensive Rookie of the Year. So we're just going to go through all of those, give our picks, see how they compare to NFL Total Access, see where we agree, see where they disagree, see if they're any good. So, Simon, I don't know where you want to start. Do you want to start with MVP or go leave that for the end? What What are you thinking? You know, I'm not too sure, actually, because they're – there's a lot of different ways we can definitely we can do this. We could start at the bottom. We could go rookies. Start with that because just to be clear, I, we're gonna be starting with or we're gonna be going through MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, offensive, uh, offensive. What did I just say? Offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. So we're gonna be going through all of that. But yeah, I'm. What do you think? What do you think's the more interesting place to start? Let's let's leave MVP for the end. Keep keep the people sure. uh, give the people a, the a reason to keep watching. Okay, we'll start at rookies then. What do you think's more fun, defensive or offensive? I can give you. Your well, I think defense. I, I start with defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can. Okay, we can start with defense then. Um, okay. Should I, should I give my pick if it isn't already incredibly obvious? Well, I can tell you that I agree with you on your pick. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, defensive rookie of the year is Devin Witherspoon. And I don't think, yeah. I, I think it's close ish because I've seen people go back and forth between Devin Witherspoon and Jalen Carter. 
Um, I think Devin Witherspoon is going to get it in the end. I think he has the advantage of playing cornerback, which is a lot more of a featured position. Like Jalen yeah. Carter getting a sack isn't going to get as much play as Devin Witherspoon's pick six against the Giants. But I do think it's well-deserved, and I think there's a couple reasons why. Um, it's, it was, again, like, it's very interesting that it is these two players because the, these are the two players that, obviously, Seattle was thinking about taking because Jalen Carter was who many people projected they'd take, especially given um how much they're suffering it was against who the I run thought they would um, take. yeah and Dev, so Devin when this pick kind of came out of nowhere but it really like i think it was the right pick for this team i think it does a couple things well in um, hindsight, one I just, think it's really clear that it in, hind, in hindsight in hindsight i think if they took jalen carter they would still be fine but i think um it adds a lot to their team i think the first thing that it adds is just just like the the way he plays, the style of play that Devin Witherspoon has is just electric. And I think it elevates everybody on that defense. You cannot go a like single game without watching, aside from maybe this last Ravens game that we don't even fucking talk about, um, <laughs> without him doing some sort of play or some, some sort of something that just like jumps off the screen. Um, and most people are going to point to the Giants game because that's what he had the pick six that was on primetime. Everybody saw it. But like every game that he started, um, he has just looked like the best player on the field. He's looked better than anybody else out there. He's made a guy like Tariq Woolen seem like cornerback number two, and Tariq Woolen probably should have won Defensive Rookie of the Year last year, in my humble opinion. Um, so just to see that, like him making impact plays every single game, doing it so consistently, whether it be like a big hit or an interception or anything like that, or just locking somebody up, um, I think he, he has all of those elements that make a defensive rookie of the year. And he's doing it against good competition, too. Um, I don't know if there was the stat that went around that when he was on Jamar Chase in the game against the Bengals, um, I believe he had, like, one catch for three yards whenever Devin Witherspoon was covering him. So he's shown it against great competition. I think he's brought the level of play of the Seattle defense from somebody who's watched the Seattle defense for the last, like, I don't know, what, 11, yeah. 12 years? We've had, um, we've had some they're bad playing defense with this, in the last couple playing, of years as well. Yeah, which people, I mean, people associate Seattle with a good defense, but it really hasn't been that way. There's been some historically been bad in, defense played in Seattle the last um, like been four or five years, last, at least. I was going to say five years. Yeah, like as I think the last, like as soon as the Legion of Boom died, I don't think we've had nearly as, as good of a, obviously, but I, even anything close to that level. Um, and it's starting to feel like that again. And I think that's, I mean, it's not just because of Devin Witherspoon. Obviously, they have a lot of key players, but I think the energy that De that uh, Devin Witherspoon brings is so similar to that of, like, a young Richard Sherman, minus a little bit of the trash talking. Doesn't quite have the same trash sure. talk ability that Richard Sherman did, but, but that energy hard. is there. That's, yeah. like, goat level. <laughs> that, that's and, a bar. And, as, and you say that you don't think that uh, it's solely been on Witherspoon, and I agree with you. Obviously, it's not solely on him. There are 11 defensive players on the field at all times. But I think uh, I think you can give a lot to him as being that final piece that really, like, stuck it in for this defense. Because it, like it, it felt like we've needed, like, a good second corner for that last five years. Because even when we yeah. had Shaquille Griffin, it felt like we had nobody to slide next to him. And then we have... Uh, Tyreek Woolen, and then uh, all of a sudden, and sure, like Kobe Bryant was fine, Mike Jackson was fine, all yeah, of those guys were fine. Mike, Mike Jackson was not fine. 
But you know, <laughs> Mike I mean. Jackson was a I'm liability. Saying, that was. I'm problem. saying fine. I'm just all I'm saying is decent, right? All we've had on that other side of the field has been a decent corner, and then we get Witherspoon, and all of a sudden it's like it just clicks. And I think a lot of that can be just attributed to now finally we actually have a balanced defense. We're not just like our strengths aren't just like stacked at the top with no depth. We finally have a lot of depth at that corner position. We're locking down those top corners yep. and we're we're actually able to defend against a lot of the best teams in the NFL except the Ravens. And <laughs> yeah, and I do want to I do want to bring up that Ravens game because I think that's a good point. Um to for Devin Wood Devin Witherspoon specifically, like he still played well in that game. You want to know why the Ravens beat us? It's because we got bullied in the trenches. That's how teams yeah. beat us because they know they can't throw the ball on us. Um, the Ravens just ran the ball the entire day and they we couldn't do anything about it. Um, that's what, as bad as that Ravens game was, um, and trust me, I still cry myself to sleep thinking about it, even though it's been a couple days yeah. removed. I have a Ravens um, fan in it, uh, my uni oh. classes. Cade, this is a shout-out to you. He was very humble about it. And by humble, I mean not fucking humble at all. Oh, fuck that. (laughs) The Ravens are a very good team, and I'm going to be doing some more Ravens praise later in this episode. But, like, uh, it it still hurts. Um, But, yeah, like, that's that's what teams have to do against us. And I think the rate, like, I knew we were, I kind of knew we were, this is why I'm not that upset about it, because I knew we were going to lose, because this is what the Ravens do well, and that's how you beat our defense. Um, is by running the ball on us and just overpowering our defensive line. Because yeah. if you can do that, then there's nothing. Because guys like Devin Witherspoon have locked down um, the receivers. And, and the I think thing about we do Witherspoon a good job of stopping the passing game. That's so cool as well. Is he's not only just a lockdown corner. He's so he's so physical and athletic as well that he's yeah. so fun to watch. Like, I mean, you even go back to the game against the Giants where he had two sacks. Like, it's yeah. just nuts. He's one of those players who can really be good anywhere on the field, and in not any position, but you know what I mean, anywhere on the field, where yeah. he's just fun. And I think that's going to be a big that's reason a- that he – I agree with you. I think he'll win Defensive Rookie of the Year at the end of the season over Carter because of the fact that he is stuck on an island out there on the far side of the field, and he is doing an excellent job at it versus Jalen Carter, who is not to attribute his success to how good that Eagles defensive line already is, but – Obviously, it takes away a little bit how much help Jalen Carter's getting right off of the bat. Yeah. Because he pretty much got dropped into a perfect situation on that defensive line. So, I no. think... Uh, I agree with you. I think Devin Witherspoon definitely deserves it. We can move on, though. Because mm-hmm. we've got... We can move on to Offensive Rookie of the Year, which I... At the very This, least one, think this is one will finish. be short. Yeah. Uh, although who who did who did NFL total access have as defense of the year? Did they have Witherspoon? Yeah. Okay, good. So and I mean it's I you said that it's close ish. I don't think so. I actually would argue that saying it Jalen Carter I think deserves it's, it more would be probably fairly controversial at this point. But I think I think I think it's close ish just like I've seen people pick Jalen Carter and I disagree. I think it will get farther apart as the season goes on because I think in this conversation, the fact that Devin Witherspoon missed the first game kind of gave Jalen Carter a bit of a head start. But I think the gap's going to widen a little bit. But I think as of now, it's close in. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing as anything else where two different positions, how do you even compare it? But yeah, that's kind of why these awards are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. When I just look at. With these types of awards, I look at where both teams would be without the player. 
And and that's not always yeah. fair, especially when you're looking at a player who's on a defensive line, where that's a part of the game where if you are the only good player on a bad defensive line, you're not really going to show off as well. Aaron Donald. Unless you're Aaron Donald. Yeah, unless you're Aaron <laughs> Donald. Aaron Donald is the one, like, exception to that, maybe yeah. a lot. Aaron Donald but, is the exception to a lot of things. That's true. But you it's a lot harder i think to i think the seahawks would be in a bad bad fucking spot without witherspoon that's what i'm trying to say yeah like we would be a much worse team defensively think about how this defensive defense looked last year yeah i mean and Tariq woolen is great he's a great corner in his own right but witherspoon has like you said he's made him at points look like the second corner he's he's been completely overshadowed this year which i I kind of don't love because he needs to get his respect anyways, but it just yeah. is a testament to how good Weatherspoon has been. They're both incredible at their positions. They are. Yeah. Like, uh, but we, sh- we should move on. C.J. Stroud. We can just talk about that for a minute because obviously it's not a controversial pick. It's not very close. Like, well, uh, I think he, I think he locked it up this past week. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't watch that a lot of that um, Texans Bucks game because I was busy like poking my eyes out with the kitchen forks and watching the Seahawks Ravens game because um, that was going on at the same time. Um, but as soon as that torture fest ended, I turned on Red Zone to watch the end of um, Vikings and Falcons as well as Texans Bucks. Shout out Josh Dobbs, by the way. Yeah. Um, but CJ Stroud, just like looking at it looking at the situation they had at the end of that game, it's 40 seconds to go score a touchdown. Like that is, that is Patrick Mahomes level shit to just take the ball from the own 25 and lead this amazing drive with two, like all pro level throws, um, both to tank Dell, one on the corner route to the left sideline. And then the other for the touchdown of the middle. Um, Those are pro ball, all pro level throws. Like you do not see that from a rookie quarterback. Um, I don't even think there's anybody really in the conversation for this other than no. CJ Stroud. Um, well, and it, it has to be him. And it's because of drives like that, because he's been doing that really all season. And to give you who some people have as the second guy, just to show you the gap is Puka Nakua, who as a Puka Nakua fantasy owner, it's not close. Yeah. And like Puka Nakua had a better start to the year. Oh yeah. Um, but ever since but Cooper could... Cup has come back, he's, kind of fallen off the it's not like and and it's not even to say that puka nakua is like a fluke or anything because i still think he's a good player even alongside cooper cup um i think he's proven that with the consistency that he's had in the last few weeks but obviously when you're a quarterback you're gonna um be considered more valuable but i also think cj stroud is just playing better cj stroud is almost almost, yeah he's having a historical rookie season as well like he's yeah most passing yards for a rookie quarterback in nfl history last week yeah like it's it's pretty much just incredible how good of a season cj stroud has thrown for more yards in a game already in his career than russell wilson has which is insane to me that is insane but anyway (laughs) excuse me we can move on (laughs) to i believe defensive player of the year is where we probably want to move on Okay. Yep. So who's your pick? I think this one. Is, I think this one is the toughest. I think there's yeah. a couple players you could go to. Um, let me pull that. Let me pull up the 
I had a I had a list of the of the odds and I was I was going through. So they, I think they have the favored right now is is Micah Parsons, which like fair. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, and then Miles Garrett. Um, but I think I'm not going to pick either of those guys. My pick is T.J. Watt. Okay. Um, and now this is a little bit of a like. It, it, even though he's like third favorite, it feels like a little bit of a chalky pick because he wins like I don't know how many times he's won, but he has to have won at least a few times. Um, but there's good reason for that. There is no other player like I think you could even consider T.J. Watt for MVP with how good this Steelers team has done um, compared to what their overall performance is, especially yeah. on offense. They are in the playoffs right now, and that is mostly because of a guy like T.J. Watt. To, he has a... And just to jump in and quickly add into what you're saying, C.J. Stroud already has more career touchdowns than Pickett. Like, just to show... Yeah. And they're still in the playoffs. Not to... Yeah. Not, I'm not saying anything about Stroud. I'm saying something about Pickett. <laughs> yeah. And because that offense has just been brutal, and it's not like... It, it's, it has been a lot of Pickett, but it's also been their play calling... Um, they don't have a lot of playmakers there. It's been their offensive line. Um, it's all of that. Um, and so they just have not had a functional offense. They go off in the fourth quarter sometimes, but otherwise they don't have a functional offense. And it's been TJ Watt making like just these plays that will win a game for the Steelers on defense. Like, I don't think I've ever really seen a player other than like Aaron Donald sometimes miles garrett just take over a game on the defensive side like they are tj watt wins games for the steelers on defense which is absolutely insane to say um and i think he's a large just because of how the steelers are performing um above expectations and it is their whole defense they obviously have lots of other guys on there like make fitzpatrick um i don't know if cameron hayward's still there but um Obviously, it's still a great defense, but it's T.J. Watt who makes that whole machine move, and I think they probably have a couple less wins and are out of the playoffs if it's not for him. So I think guys like Micah Parsons, Malik Garrett um, are playing really well. Um, I think in terms of, like, if you're looking at MVP on the defensive side of the ball, I think it has to go to T.J. Watt with how much he's impacting the games for the Steelers. Okay. You made me want to change my pick <laughs> with that one because you did kind of sway me a little because that makes a lot of sense. But I'll stick with what I was going to go with. Uh, I was going to say Miles Garrett. Just solely looking at the stats, I think he's been the best defensive rusher in the NFL this season. Just, I mean, already tied three-way three -way tie for most sacks in the season. And then just looking at everything else across the board, I don't know. I think I'd personally give it to him based on stats although i will say i have not had an obscene amount of time to watch a lot of the games especially browns games sorry browns fans but uh so i think i'd still i think i'd go that direction i do I, see what you're saying with the TJ i think Watt. miles garrett is just less consistent because like yeah. i'm thinking about i watched that entire brown seahawks game and he got locked up by charles cross and like jake curran and i look at that kind of thing and i'm like Yes, he has games where he just where he does stuff like TJ Watt, like that Colts game. Um, I believe he he had a fum like he forced a fumble in the Colts end zone. That I mean that was a one point game and it turned the game for the Browns. That's the kind of stuff that TJ Watt does, and Miles Garrett absolutely can do that too. It's just not happening as consistently, and I think he also has more support in that Cleveland defense than TJ Watt has in the Pittsburgh defense, although it is close. Um, I think he just has 
from a game-to-game basis, TJ Watt makes more of those game-breaking plays. I do think it's close between TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett would be my two, but um, like just looking through some of the plays, like um, a, a, another good example of TJ Watt changing the game, uh, the game against the Rams, he's not just sacking quarterbacks or forcing fumbles to change games. He's also intercepting Matthew Stafford in the red zone, which completely really changed that yeah. game. And stuff like that, where he's just a complete all-around player. And him like him intercepting passes is not that rare for him, even though he is a defensive end. Um, he makes more of those impact plays to me than Miles Garrett. And I think um, while it is very close, um, I'm going to give it to TJ Watch because I think he's had a little bit more impact on the Steelers season overall than Miles Garrett has on the Browns season. And the worst part is I don't even know that I disagree with you, so I'm not even going to try and debate that with you i'm just i'm gonna stick with the pick that i'm going that was my gut when i was looking at i think it's everything close. i, I think yeah i close. agree with you i do think it's close but if you're looking at i going back to what i said before when looking at these types of awards and looking at team impact because i think that's such a huge thing like i said i agree with you i think tj watt definitely deserves it so i won't be a hypocrite tj I'll, i think i i think i'll give you that one tj watt okay so do you want to move on? Offensive player of the year. This Offensive one. player of the year. This one is a bit of a fun one in my opinion looking at it. But I'm curious who okay. you think deserves it. So I'm looking at. So this is. Offensive player of the year is a kind of stupid award. Because it's basically like which non-quarterback is the best. Um, yeah. And it's funny, it's funny to even see some like quarterbacks in here because it's like if a quarterback wins this award it's just going to be the guy who won MVP which is dumb um it's offensive other than quarterbacks which is a kind of a stupid system I think Miles Garrett kind of talked about that how it's dumb that quarterbacks are the only ones who wins MVP and I think the offensive player of the year conversation is kind of a focal point of that but I digress I think I try to not let my personal bias affect me but like I'm human I have to um is christian mccaffrey probably going to win this award yes um do i feel dirty doing that absolutely um so i'm going to give it to instead to a guy who i think has had just as much if not more of an impact on their team's fortunes and that is tyreek hill yeah and i say this um for a couple reasons i think the first reason that i say this is not even what he's doing with the dolphins it's seeing what the chiefs look like without him now the dolphins did just beat the chiefs in germany um partially because tyreek hill fumbled but looking at it at a, as a broader scale um the chiefs have even though they are still the chiefs and are still playing really well they're winning because of their defense now they're not winning because of their offense and their offense looks completely flat um mahomes no longer has these big plays he's throwing short to guys like rasheed rice and Kadarius tony um their offense does not look the same when travis kelsey is the only guy they won a super bowl without tyreek obviously they can still make it work because mahomes is mahomes but it just looks different without a difference maker like tyreek hill that chiefs offense only accounted for 14 points against the dolphins um because the one was a uh, fumble return for a touchdown right um so that's one aspect of it i think the other aspect of it for tyreek hill is 
the way this Dolphins offense has exploded um, around him. And I think it's all kind of come into form this year um, with Mike McDaniel calling the plays, with Tua able to get the ball to him in space. Um, I believe I saw like he was on pace to just like crush a bunch of receiving records. I don't know if he still is. He had a a down game against the, the Chiefs, but he was like, he had already gotten a thousand yards like seven weeks through the season, which is something that nobody has ever done before. Absolutely insane uh, for a receiver. And I think the way you put it in a couple of these other conversations is a good way to think about it. If Miami doesn't have Tyree kill, where are they? Yeah. Um, they are nowhere near where they are right now. They're not putting up 70 points in Broncos. I'll tell you that um, just because it, it adds so much of an extra dimension to their game. And when he doesn't play well, like, when he kind of has an off game like he did against the Chiefs, like he didn't do that much. Tua threw him a good ball and he dropped it. Um, you can just see how much more one-dimensional this, this Dolphins offense worked. Um, and that Chiefs game was kind of a one-off. The whole other season he has been um, completely deserving of these accolades. And you can just see what it's opened up for the Dolphins offense. And there's a reason they're being taken seriously as a Super Bowl contender this year as opposed to the years before. It's because he's finally integrated into that offense well. Um, Mike McDaniel's calling plays and he's having a historic season. So I think CMC is like probably equally as important to the Niners. And you can kind of see that with how they've struggled since he's been out. I do think Tyreek Hill has a bigger impact on the Dolphins than CMC has in the Niners. Well, I agree with you. I just don't think the one thing I disagree with you on is I don't think it's that close between Tyreek and uh, and CMC. I, I see what you're saying. I still think that Tyreek is, if he doesn't win it this season, if he continues at the pace he's going, it will be a travesty <laughs> and an incredible robbery. I think that he's having a ridiculous season. And you were talking about some stupid stats, just to name a few. Currently, nine games into the season, he already has more yards, touchdowns, and targets than T. Higgins had all of last season. And T. Higgins is not a bad wow. wide receiver. <laughs> he's, a he very, is, he's a very good wide receiver. He's a very good wide receiver, exactly. <laughs> So, or not targets, sorry. Targets is the one thing. I This was phrased weird. Another quick stat, Hill is currently averaging 4.1 yards per route run through the first nine seasons, which nobody has done since since they started tracking it. Oof. And the number two guy was Tyreek Hill last season. <laughs> which is kind of kind of hilarious. I don't think it's close. That's basically what I'm trying to say. I think Tyreek Hill is having a ridiculous receiving year. If he continues at the rate he's going, records be damned. Tyreek Hill is about to walk over everything. I think that uh, this season he's having has just been absolutely ridiculous. And you pointed out again, like the impact, what would the Dolphins look like without Tyreek Hill? It would be bad. It would be, I'm not saying they'd be a bad team, but they would not be anywhere as good as they are right now. I think that offense revolves around Tyreek Hill in a certain degree. And I just, I have a hard time saying that they would be anywhere near where they are currently without him. So I have no issue saying that I think it's Tyreek Hill and I don't think it's close. I do think it's close. Um, I do think CMC opens up that Niners offense, especially when you have a quarterback like Brock Purdy with the variety he has in the running and passing game. But I, I do agree that I think Tyreek has bigger impact. I, yeah. I think it will. I think it depends. I think this is a race that will depend on how the fortunes of these two teams kind of play out. If the Niners continue to lose like they have been, um, then Tyreek's probably going to 
start to run away with it a little bit more. But if the Dolphins, like, if the Dolphins kind of slip up, I could see it kind of going the other way. I think it's relatively close as of now, but I, I do think Tyreek has yeah. a decent lead on him today. And I was going to NFL I was total gonna access. Ask, if you want to yes, talk about what I was, was going to ask. There's a CMC, and I don't agree with that, like I just said. Okay. I I don't – I'm not mad about that. Um, like, it, it, it's not, like, an offensive opinion to have. Yeah. I can see it. I The thing is, in any other season, I'd agree with you, but I just think Tyreek Hill's having such a bonkers season that it's hard to yeah. – it's hard to even think about, like, just giving it to anyone else with how – strong he started obviously he could start slipping up more and his like and he could just and the second half of the season cmc could take it like i'm not saying that i necessarily think tyreek hill like this is a guarantee tyreek hill will win it or deserve it at the end of the year i'm just saying through the first nine i don't think it's close yeah no that that's fair that's fair we um, move on who do they have for, who do they have for uh defensive player of the year out of curiosity okay okay I believe it was Garrett, which I agreed with. But a lot, of, I also agree with a lot of things you said about Watt. So I think that one's a tough one. But That's uh, close. I think yeah. both, I think both of these are close. Those are the those are the two closest races, other than MVP, which we're going to get into. Yeah. So their candidate, who they chose for MVP, is really interesting, and I can't wait to hear about your opinion okay. on that. But if you want, we can start with yours. Okay. I think this MVP race is just terrible right now, and I don't think there's yeah. anybody that deserves it. I think if they could, if they could not award it to some, because it's all quarter. I mean, MVP is basically just the best quarterback award, and I think each of these quarterbacks, you can go down the list and list a reason why they they um, shouldn't win it. Um, I don't think it should be Mahomes. I think everybody is going to list Mahomes. I don't think it should be, um, just because like in comparison to everything else, like they're again, their offense is not the reason they're winning games. I don't yeah. even like Mahomes is, is obviously the most valuable player to the Chiefs, and he's going to be that until he retires. Um, but the offense is not the most valuable side of the ball to the Chiefs. They're winning games because of their defense. Um, so I in in a game where it's the in a season where the Chiefs defense is playing at this kind of level, and that's the reason they're winning games, I can't justify giving it to Mahomes in any context um, because that just kind of feels reflexive to where it's like, oh, it's an MVP award throw Mahomes in there because he's the best player in the league. I don't think that's what this award should be. It's about who's most valuable to their team right now. Um, so I don't think it's going to be Mahomes. I uh, another there's there's you can go down the list. I'll pull up like MVP odds. I think Mahomes is number one. Which is um, interesting, yeah. Because I, I actually disagree with that as well. I don't think that Mahomes deserves it, and I don't really get the no. hype behind him getting it. I just no. somehow put down all my tabs. That was really weird. <laughs> Why I have um, stuff? Google, you're screwing me. What no, no. On? Okay. Well, anyway, I was gonna say I don't agree <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes. I I think yeah. that especially when you think about the last little bit, especially early in the season where people were. Like, I feel like around week six, we all started going, like, Mahomes is having a strangely bad season. Like, it's not even a bad – he's not even doing bad. It's just, it's that just it's not, not It's not the most like. important part. It's because – and it's not because of him. It's not like he's playing badly. It's because the offense is not yeah. um, clicking in the way that it should. Yeah, but, but I just even though, that, like, it, even though people... it's mostly not – People Even started looking at fault, him. He doesn't deserve MVP. Yeah, and that's kind of exactly where I was going with that, where it's just like people were actually looking at his stats and going like, it's not it's not bad, but it's not Mahomes. 
Like, Mahomes is elite of the elite. That's not what this is. When I look at this, I just don't see that. And I think people yeah. are finally starting to realize that. Yeah. Open. Mahomes, I don't think is, uh, even though I think a lot of outlets are going to pick him, I don't think he's the choice. I think you can run through a couple other quarterbacks that all are equally kind of deserving as Mahomes, but I don't think there's always reasons why they shouldn't be. Um, like Tua, I think, is someone who was a real candidate, but I think the issues that the Dolphins have been having against teams with winning records um, kind of devalues that performance a little bit. And also when you have a guy like Tyree Kill, it makes you think how important is Tua actually to that offense and is he the most valuable yeah. player on that out of the ball i don't think he is even though i think he's having an amazing season and is genuinely a top five quarterback um jalen hurts i think there's a case that can't be made for him but i also think this eagles offense has not been performing um the way that it should like the eagles are not playing their best football even though which is kind of scary considering they're eight and one yeah. but um, <laughs> but they've kind of been they've kind of been sneaking by in some of these games and he hasn't been playing up to um what we saw from him last year last year jalen hurts was better than this year jalen hurts um, then I'll go into, so those three guys are all high in the MVP rankings. I don't think they're going to get it because of those reasons. Um, I think here, here, I have a top like two and I kind of convinced myself into my second guy, like just now, um, Joe Burrow, I think Okay. this depends on how I'm not saying he's going to win it. I have a guy right now, if it were to, if the voting were to happen right now, I have a guy who'd be ahead of him. Um, but I think if Joe Burrow plays at the level he has the last two weeks for the rest of the season, I think it makes a case for him as MVP that will be impossible to beat. Because you see how listless this Bengals team was when he was hurt, and then now that he's healthy, how explosive they look and how they're beating up on good teams like the Niners and Bills. That Niner, The Niners and Bills games weren't close because Joe Burrow is just lighting these guys up. Um, the Bills game, again, like it was a one score game technically in the end, but it was a two score game for most of it. And it was not, it was not as close as it seemed. Um, the Niners game was a two score game. Joe Burrow is lighting up people right now. And while I don't think he deserves it as of now, because he wasn't performing early on the season, if he continues this level of play, it will just go to show how valuable he is because the Bengals sucked when he was hurt. And now they are performing like a juggernaut again. I do think there's someone who's more valuable right now, and it's kind of going under the radar. Maybe this is a little bit of recency bias um, with what I just saw happen to my beloved Seahawks, but yeah. I do think this could be a year for Lamar Jackson to win the MVP. And I don't know if he's playing. The, the, the case against Lamar Jackson is that a lot of it is the like he doesn't have the kind of the same kind of gaudy individual performances that a bunch of these guys have been having but i think what a guy like lamar does to your defense and i was just watching this against seattle the specific skill set that he has and how well he's able to execute it he's not doing anything flashy but just what i saw with his ravens offense against seattle he just creates an impossible challenge for the seattle defense to where like if anybody else were to come in like even like because what I, we played against Joe Burrow when he was relatively healthy, I did not have the same fear that I had against Lamar Jackson because he is such an enigma and creates such pressure on a defense. Like um, Tony Romo said it in the broadcast really well. You cannot cover all that this Raven, Ravens team does. You cannot cover. You have to commit to something and you're going to leave a spot open because if you go to stop the run, 
like from the running backs, Lamar is going to either pass it or go outside, rush by himself. If you commit to Lamar on the run, he is going to dot you up throwing down the field because he can do that. Um, like if you commit to um, trying to stop the passing game, he's just going to roll out of there, dodge your guys in the pocket and scamper for another 20 yards. It happens yeah. so many times against the Seahawks where it's like third and 15. The Seahawks play fair, like and the score doesn't show it, but the Seahawks played fairly well in that first half, um, at least on defense. Um, they forced the Ravens to punt the first couple drives. They got them into third and long, but it's just what happens when the play breaks down and Lamar is able to just like run so effortlessly for a first down. It's like he doesn't even care about how many yards there are. Um, that kind of thing, especially with how good the rest of this Ravens team is and how well I think they're going to do the rest of the season, where I think they're probably going to be the AFC's number one seed. Um, I think it's going to come between them and the Bengals. Um, just looking at that, I think I think that that will be what it comes down to because MVP is a team award more than we'd like to admit it is. I think if the Ravens win the number one seed, I think Lamar's going to get it. If the Bengals win it, I think Burrow's probably going to get it. But as of right now, with what I just saw and the pressure that Lamar Jackson puts on a defense, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. And I don't think he's getting enough MVP talk with how he's playing right now. Yeah, and the word the funny thing is I do agree with you. I actually did have Lamar, but I think it does kind of show what you said right at the very beginning in the fact that this is a very crappy MVP race, just in the fact yeah. that you're totally right. I don't feel like anybody necessarily deserves it because I was even like, I was thinking Lamar beforehand because he's been a big part of why the Ravens have been fairly good this year. And most of the quarterbacks have been have had different stretches where they haven't been very good. I thought the Joe Burrows pick is very interesting because of how bad he started at the beginning of the year. And, and whether that was because he was hurt or not, it, he his stats were not great. It, and it was very it was very clearly because he was hurt. You can you can like see a difference. You can't just but, how he's moving. Regardless. I'm just saying that you can't just throw that away because because he was hurt. You still have to take those I, games I think, into account. And I think I think you almost like you can use that though because it's like if like you you uh, if you're voting on it and you've watched all the games that Joe Burrow has played, you can see how different this offense is when Joe Burrow has his mobility versus when he doesn't, which is why I think if he's consistent for the rest of the year, Fair. he can win it because then it's almost a case for you to say, look sure. at how okay. garbage this team was when I wasn't at my team. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, I do understand that. That's a good, that's a very good point. I still think that I would give it to Lamar, but just to add on, I was looking at it because I was curious. Obviously, Lamar still, he has an MVP winning season. And I was yeah. curious if you take a look at that season halfway through compared to what he's looked like this season, another season where it looks like he could win MVP and it looks nowhere close. It's actually kind of sad. And Oh yeah. That really goes to attest how good of a season Lamar had in 2019. But, and that's not me trying to put him down now. I think that just shows how bad of a pool we have this season because I, I agree I, I still think I'd give it to Lamar based on everything because he is having a pretty remarkable season. Like, all things considered, it's still very impressive. He's looking like he's going to hit 4,000 yards on the season for – or passing yards, sorry, for what's going to be the first time in his career, which is cool. But I think uh, – I don't know. 
And that's assuming that uh, there's nothing that jumps in the way to stop him because he's had some injury concerns in the last couple seasons. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But that'd be my only yeah. reason for necessarily not betting on it, I guess. Yeah. I think it's like, like that doesn't shock me that his um, numbers are nowhere near that MVP season because, again, like you said, this MVP race, there's not there's not a clear candidate. And I'm saying Lamar gets it. Um, I, I I think he's having a good season, but there's a case against him. And the case against yeah. him is that he's not making the flashy plays that you normally see in an MVP type season. He's not jumping off the page. I think he is the most important player to that Ravens team, which is why I think by definition, he is MVP right now. But it's also why I think if Joe Burrow continues to play the way he does, that's the kind of flashy play that wins you an MVP. And if he keeps that consistent, I think he overtakes Lamar, even though Lamar is playing great and is very consistent. Um, Joe Burrow will at that point be more important to the Bengals team than Lamar is to him. And I think that can put him over the edge. But as of right now, um, I think in a relatively weak MVP field where you can make a case against everybody, the pressure that Lamar puts on defenses um, is the most valuable trait that any of these quarterbacks have. Yeah. No, I, I do agree with you. I think, like, the more I look in-depth into Lamar's stats, the more I just... I like what he's doing. I think that uh, while he's been less of a volume runner in this season compared to that 2019 season, what he's done... He's been a lot more efficient compared to that season. Like, for example, he's going to easily beat... He's already... In that season, he only had seven touchdowns. This season, he's already at five. First downs, he's look, he's looking to blow that out of the water as well it looks like he's just a lot smarter with the way he runs which i think just comes with experience and i think uh i think that's maybe what we're seeing this season we're seeing a more developed and experienced lamar jackson Mm -hmm. and i think if we keep seeing this from him i think this could be someone a lot of conversation after that 2019 season was great do it again because at that point we hadn't seen a quarterback who was able, who relied so heavily on their rushing ability actually survive in the NFL mm-hmm. long term cuz sure Mike yeah. Vick was great but he had injury issues on his own and then he just didn't stick around long reason I don't know didn't have that dog in him or you know whatever you want to say <laughs> but <laughs> whatever you want to say there's a lot of things you can attest to Mike Mike Vick but I I think uh I think we're actually starting to see Lamar Jackson. Obviously, this had to come if uh, he was going to, you know, continue <laughs> with his NFL career without kamikazeing. <laughs> but uh, I think this is a good sign, especially if you're a Ravens fan, that you've got a quarterback who plans on sticking around for another ten years. And I think, uh, I think if he continues to play at this level, he's got a, a lot of MVPs going in the next yeah. couple seasons i think I, I have been a lamar hater i will say because i have been that person who's going who's been like okay do it again because in the last couple seasons it felt like we haven't been seeing the same lamar jackson i think despite his stats sure they're lower but they are a lot better i think that if he continues at this rate then i have no issue with giving him mvp even if maybe it's not flashy maybe some of the numbers aren't as big as you would be used to it's still very impressive what he's currently doing. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think you put that really well. I think it's a, it's a kind of approach that will have a lot more success in the future. And it's not like he 
has any less skill than that 2019 MVP season. He's just more selective on how to use it, and that almost makes yeah. it more effective, yeah. um, which I think is great. Um, that that Ravens team is scary, and I'm so glad we don't have to play them again. I'm so <laughs> glad. Oh, yeah, God. No. I mean, I can say... Uh... I can say the same. Despite not even watching that game, everything, because I just didn't have time, everything I heard about it was just like, God. It just burned into my retinas. The first thing I said, the first thing I heard, said after hearing the, the score was, oh, thanks God I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean. You, you would have had a more fun time doing literally anything else. That was And that I was did. Bad. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. I sat there from kickoff till <laughs> the, the final score graphic showed up on CBS because I am a lunatic. But uh, if the Seahawks really don't, I'm, if the Seahawks play like that, I mean, like it, it was mostly because the Ravens are a really good team. But if the Seahawks play like that next week, um, like. I, I was I'm gonna be at that game. I was telling my girlfriend I'm just jumping off the third deck of Lumen Field. Like I, I, I can't I can't do that two weeks in a row. <laughs> Fair enough. Who are they playing? Do you see it? Washington. So I, I oh. extra if they don't. Yeah, I was gonna say if they play like that, then you're gonna see me. Sam Howell, like the death of Caleb Peterson. Put that on a tombstone. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. If you see a blood splatter on Lumen Field, and there no, there will be no trick play podcast anymore. It will be canceled. <laughs> I'll be doing it. No, I'll just put a computer in front of your gravestone. It will be the shittiest podcast ever. <laughs> Simon talks to a wall for two hours. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that. Yeah, that actually would be what they force you to watch in Purgatory. Like that. That that would be it. Just like <laughs> they just. I just. <laughs> It's like I would still be doing the podcast, but I can't say anything bad. Yeah. I'm just like screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd just be talking shit about the Seahawks the entire time as well. It'd be great. <laughs> okay, well, we can move on. NHL is next up. Let's talk about that. Yep. We're going to be jumping into something that has been very heavy on my heart for the last, uh, I want to say week, but it's definitely been longer than that. And that is the Pacific Division in the NHL right now. Because there's a some teams more than others, I will say. But there is a lot going on in this division. A lot of good things and a lot of bad. A lot of bad. Extreme amounts of bad. And uh, we're going to be jumping into as much of it as we can in probably about a 30-minute time frame. But we're going to be mostly aiming towards the Flames, the Canucks, and the Oilers. Because we've kind of agreed that that's probably where most of the interest the is biggest, going to those be. Those are the biggest surprises. Yeah. Everything and like, else that's kind of like, okay. Yeah, you want us sense, to talk for 30 minutes about how the Golden Knights are at the top of this division? Oh, wow. <laughs> Shocker. I think the more interesting story is how the Sharks haven't won a game this year, the Flames suck, and eh, that's not that surprising, but the Oilers are also bad. And somehow that is the three worst teams in the NHL, and they are all in the Pacific. And the Canucks are shocking yep. too, like you said. The Canucks are having a remarkable year, and uh, not a lot of people saw that coming. That's for sure. But we can get right into it. I don't know where you want to start, Caleb. I know we were talking about the Canucks. I don't know if you want to start with that or if you want to start I can, elsewhere. I can hop into the Canucks. I can hop into the Canucks. You want to take I Canucks? think the Canucks are sure. fascinating. So I had. 
obviously living in Vancouver, I've had conversations about the Canucks more than I have about any other team, just based on where I live. And I've I've been talking to my friends Ryan and Akshay about this. Was Akshay? Um, he's from India. He's just getting into hockey, so he started becoming like he's becoming a Canucks fan because obviously living here. Um, and I was kind of like, that's a stupid idea. They're going to be very bad. Um, that's what I told him. <laughs> we were trying this to bring year. him over like, to uh, come to the flaming bandwagon. We know it's on well, fire, I, I, but it's still a ton of fun. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't even trying, trying to tell him to become a Flames fan because I was like, I know that's going to be painful too. I was like, you're a new NHL fan. You have so many teams to choose from. Why would you choose the Canucks? Yeah. That sounds like an awful proposition. <laughs> to be fair, um, I think I could I was... say the same about the Flames. So I, you know, like, yeah. I'd be, I'd probably be telling him like, hey, buddy, everybody will hate you, but hey, Vegas is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> go I, be I, in I Vegas. Thing, man. I was like, I was like, there's Carol. Like, you could, you could go. Yeah, Carolina. <laughs> like, there's so many, there's so many, you don't wanna... so many teams Listen, that would be fun. I don't want to tell you to bandwagon, but motherfucker, anywhere but Vancouver. <laughs> anywhere literally yeah. spin yeah. a wheel and that's what i was thinking like and like i i was even like to the point where i was like this canucks team like with how they were like getting rid of um oh what's his um bo horvat um like yeah. getting rid of bo horvat where i was like, i thought this that team was is going like, to be the sign that because they're tearing just, it down if you want to jump into i think we're a good that is a good place to start where expect we can talk about where the expectations at the beginning of the year were because i think mm-hmm. one of the the you know what not one of the biggest shocker with this team has been in between the pipes which is thatcher demko i had very high expectations for demko coming into the nhl i thought that i looked at him the same way i look at devin levy levi now where yeah. I think that, uh, and I think that there is a lot of comparisons between not only, well, how they play and just the type of prospects they were back then. And then Demko fell off a cliff. Like, he looked like the most average goaltender in the NHL for probably the last two years, ever since Markstrom was traded. I can tell you that yeah. I felt like a lot of those Canucks fans, or not traded, sorry, he left, but I felt it felt like a lot of those, when. Markstrom left. A lot of Canucks fans were very much not gonna miss ya. <laughs> we got our guy right, and obviously, fair enough, because at the time it really looked like Demko was going to be that guy for them, and it so far before the season did not look like it was panning out. And then, <coughs> sorry, Jesus Christ, Demko. The surprise of Demko's stats caused me to have a fit. Demko's literally. A shadow under 950 save percentage, 1.61 goals against average. This dude has two shutouts already. What yep. the fuck? Like, nobody could have saw this coming. Mm-hmm. And they've also had great play from their backup in DeSmith. Like, they're just having... Yeah. And, and again, I whenever I see teams like this that are surprising, the first place I always go to is the goaltending because i i know a lot of people especially in the last couple of years like to devalue how good and much an elite goaltender can add to a team but i i have will forever be on the bandwagon that a good goalie or an elite goalie can carry a team in more ways than you can ever imagine and i think that this is a case of that where as good as the canucks have been i think so much of their success so far has been on thatcher demko and there has been no sign of him falling off 
I think that there is a very good chance that at the end of the season, Thatcher Demko could be in the argument for, like, the Vesna. And that's a crazy yeah. statement to say, like, all things considered. But it's Would you think he's true. the front runner right now? If you were to, I, obviously, we're only, like, 15 games. In, I'd like, have to look happened. at some other stats for other people before making a prediction like that. Because I, I don't know off the I top of my he, head. I, I think he'd definitely at least be a finalist right now. Yeah, no, like, I agree with you. There's no... I think that it's not I, I, a hard choice either. I think I I the thing is I do want to say yes just looking at this cuz the that same percentage is making my mouth water. But it's just it's such I a don't small know. sample size. It's such a small sample size and also I just have to look at some other cuz I off yeah. the top of my head I could not tell you how good of a season like Sturkin's having, how good of a season Sorokin's having. Like I'd have to go look at those guys and then I could tell you. But I think yeah. uh, Demko has been the most notable just because of how he's performed relative to the, what the expectations were. I mean, talk about ex- yeah, and talk about expectations for how bad this defense for the Canucks was going to be this year, especially considering Ooh, you lose yeah. you lose Bo Horvat, who's one of the better defensive forwards in the league, which is not exactly where people talk about him, but he that is where he's very very good. And out of it's it's kind of weird actually how losing your best defensive forward made your goaltender elite. I'd love to hear the signs behind that one. But it's it's just pretty nuts. And I mean, you look at a lot of players, I obviously, with how much I'm talking about Demko early in this one, it's devaluing how good the rest of this team has been. Because I mean, you even, Quinn Hughes is currently eight points over a point per game. And he's obviously a defenseman. Quinn Hughes <laughs> has been insane. He has been insane. And I mean, Patterson has looked incredible. He's looking like what a lot of people thought he would be after that rookie year and after a lot of stuff. And he hasn't been yeah. bad, but he's not necessarily been as elite as I definitely thought he would be early on. JT Miller's bouncing back. Brock Besser is looking like an early pre, <laughs> pre I want to say injuries. I think he had some injury issues because I'm trying to put a reason behind why it seemed like he fell off a cliff. And they're just getting scoring from a lot of people who I can't say I expected to have the type of season they're having. Like, it's just crazy to me. This team is incredible. Yeah. Like, they have... It is. Sure, a lot of it is because a lot of players are overplaying and are just... And are playing a very much over what they can be expected to play for the entire season. But... I mean, who knows? I, I personally would not be against the idea of the Canucks potentially being at the top of this division at the end of the year. Cause that'd be awesome. That'd be cool to see. They have a fun. Well, team. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the top of this division. Not the top. Vegas is playing. I, you know but what I mean a, though. A, I'm a, saying spot when I say top, I mean like top couple teams. That's what top, I mean. Top, not Vegas. Yeah. Top, not um, Vegas. Like I, I think when I'm, when I'm looking at this Canucks team and this is another conversation I had with, ryan and akshay was um okay they're doing really good so far but this is hockey and it's 82 games and i don't really care about what they do in the first 10 games like show me how you can continue to play and so i think i made i made this proposition with ryan where i was like give me their next eight eight games and if they go like i i think the benchmark i said was like i think i said next 10 if they go i think i said next 10 if they go like six and four like i'll believe that and they are they are doing way better than that in the last like I don't think they've lost a game since I said that. 
Um, like they've they been have great. been, they've just been rattling off. Wins, They're currently on a four game win streak. Yeah, I think I, I think I said that right after they lost, um, and they've ripped off four wins in a row. Um, and I mean, I, it is still like a little bit like I, I don't know. Like, are they are they going to keep it up? Um, because I do think they are the benefactors of a lot of luck. A lot of times when you see seasons like Thatcher Demko is having, obviously it's because he's an amazing goaltender, but like a lot of the times you do regress to the mean a little bit. Um, when you see crazy seasons like this from a goaltender that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I also think like I saw a stat somewhere that just says like their shooting percentage is through the roof. Um, which is an indication that they are getting lucky on a lot of these. Um, there's a Canucks game that I went to, um, Canucks versus Predators. They won that game. Um, it wasn't particularly close. I believe it was 5-3 in the end. Um, but a lot of the goals that the Canucks did get, I was like, if if Saros was a net, like this would be going to overtime just because it was like some of the goals were just sneaking through, like got hit by the glove, but... Um, wasn't able to snag it, so it goes on through. They got one that like tipped off the back of a defender. Like they are getting some luck, but I, the more they continue to win and the more consistent they are, I I start being like, I I don't know. Maybe it's more than I than I would have thought. And um, I I think it's because of the play of guys like like Pedersen that are making up for a lot of the lack of talent that we would have thought they would have had is because their top players are performing like um, better what than they, they ever had. And what better than they ever had. So it's like Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Better than what we expected, but also like, this is looking like we don't know how high they're going to be able to go, but it's already looking like a career year for Hughes, Pedersen, Demko, potentially Besser. Like those and are Miller. four guys having like, and Miller and Miller, um, like five guys, potentially having career best seasons all at the same time. Um, that's kind of why they're playing this way. And if they can keep it up, like they might be someone to watch out for in the playoffs. So I'm interested yeah. to see how they do against good teams like the Golden Knights. So if and they have a game against Vegas, that will be very fascinating. And to quickly jump in on that, I think that they don't necessarily have to be as good as they are right now to take the second spot in the Pacific if things continue yeah. to go the way that things are going. Because especially with the Flames underperforming, Edmonton extremely underperforming, I think yeah. that that really frees up. If you asked anybody, if you asked me and you at the beginning of this season what the one, two, three was going to be, it would be Vegas and then some order of the Flames and Oilers. With yeah. most with most people probably putting the Oilers in front, which is why I say extremely underperforming in their case. And yeah. I think the fact just those two teams falling to the bottom has moved a lot of very undeserving teams up. And sure, the Kings are looking very good right now, seven two and two. Ducks are currently seven and four. And something that I'm surprised I haven't heard about this, and I'm sure you haven't. They're on a six game win streak. The Ducks. Well, I I don't know if I didn't hear about the six game win streak, but I heard about some of the teams they're beating. Like they handed Boston their first yeah. loss, and they're. I think they handed Vegas their first loss. They're beating good teams. Well, that I'm, that basically means that basically means they started the season one and four, and then have won six straight, which is ridiculous. That's kind of crazy. That's that is very crazy. crazy. Like I think that's that's incredible. And I I don't know how I hadn't heard about that. That's another big story on the Pacific Division. But I think that I I actually do like this Kings team more than most. I think I like a lot of players on it, but I think that. Uh, I don't think they stay at the rate that they're going. I don't think 7-2-2. Two two, they're not going to average that for the rest of the year. 
Neither will the Ducks. The Ducks will fall off again. They're riding a hot horse. And uh, I don't know. We should move into the Flames and Oilers. That's kind of where I'm trying to go with this. I don't know where you want to start. We could start at the bottom with the Oilers and then move into the Flames to finish it off. But uh, what do you? What would you? Write? I mean, it's it's just uh, we can we can start with the Oilers and end with sure. the Flames. I'll I'll let's do that. It's 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 the same kind of thing that I have with the Canucks, but in the opposite direction. To where I'm like, when is it gonna turn around? And it just hasn't. Um, and there's been a lot of points this season a, where you expected it because obviously there's the yeah. point where at the Winter Classic, getting McDavid back, I think a lot of people saw that as a potential turnaround. And they crushed, season, and it they crushed the Flames and then lose three in a row. Yeah, and uh, I it almost felt like they they had a bounce back game for one night. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and certain players aren't playing bad like the, that's the weirdest part about this team because just looking at like their total stats like dry settles having a pretty solid season hyman's having a very good season bouchard is having an under the radar very very strong season and then you get to mcdavid is a point over a point per game and then it falls off a cliff like uh they after their first seven players, they don't have a single player over five points. They only have seven, or a better way to put that, they don't have a single player. They only have seven players over five points, which is bad, just to be clear. That's which, very bad. And I think you put that all on Ken Holland because yeah. what is what has always been the issue with this Oilers team? What is literally every single year been the issue with this Oilers team? They are top-heavy. And what did he do to address that? He brought in Connor fucking Brown, who <laughs> has done nothing and was on the top line for about like five days. I would bet zero. I don't know, but I would bet zero. Because um, that, that's not, he's not a difference maker. And I, it's kind Holy of just crap, crazy. You dead on. And it's, it's crazy almost, to think who that so many... that coming. Oh, yeah, well, I wonder. Oh. I wonder which podcast was what saying that. What ingenious next level analyst podcast could have saw the prediction that Connor Brown, a player who hasn't been good since 2015 on the fucking Erie Otters, hasn't been good since then. Who could have saw that coming? It's like it's, it's almost crazy like because CHL so many people skill. thought it would just happen. <laughs> CHL skill, just... skill playing against 16 year olds who weigh 150 pounds does not necessarily translate to the National Hockey League. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's crazy because so many people just took it as a took it for granted that it would fix this team's entire problems. I should and say I now, should give you the Jonathan Druid thing. You were dead on on that as well. But like you yeah. you, you yeah. got how many, both how many points has he, has has he gotten for you he in has fantasy? One. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was fairly confident about that. Well, cuz and to be fair though, I think that the Druin one is weirder to me because at least when I it look is. at Druin, he actually was very he was a very skilled and had a lot of He potential. had NHL Those are two success. things. Both had NHL success and real NHL potential. When you look at Connor yeah. Brown, you can say whatever you want about back when he was in juniors, but I don't think there has been a single point in his NHL career where anybody's looked at Connor Brown and said that guy right there looks like a guy who can have a 15-year NHL career. Not yeah. one point. Like, sure, you could say whatever you want about CHL juniors hype, but I'm talking about what he's done at this level has shown you that he would succeed here. 
at this next level. And I don't think anything has. I Jonathan Druin, that's not the case at all. I I made that prediction off of if he could return back to and potentially show that potential with the best teammates he's ever played with. Like, yeah. and sure, you can say whatever you want. I don't think he spent much time with Steven Stamkos. So I'm just going to say that uh, on that top line anyway. But anyway, well, I think not, that... It's not, it's not like Bruins on that top line anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I just mean like in the past. Like in his rookie years. But uh, yeah. I think a big, a big storyline for the Oilers this season has been, and there's a big story that came out of it today, where I, and I can... I'm going to, I'm trying to decide how I want to open this. So they cut Jack Campbell, or not cut? They waived him, I should say. I was which in the almost, room. I got to deliver offensive. that news to an Oilers fan. I wish I recorded his reaction because it was as if I just told him that he had won the lottery. Because really? that has been how bad Jack Campbell has been so far this season. I <laughs> I ran you through how Thatcher Damko's. Uh, Thatcher Demko. I just butchered his last name so hard there. I'm sick. Forgive me. I'm trying. But anyway, Jack Campbell. His stats are so bad. So bad. How is this? Like, okay. Save percentage, 873. That's not that bad. Like, for that's just a goalie starting off the season poorly. Right? That's what I, all I think there. When I see a goals against average of 4.5, I don't think that you're starting the season bad i think that you should be taking up a job as a school janitor because you cannot stop shit <laughs> you are letting off 4.5 goals a game what the hell yeah. <laughs> you should not be anywhere remotely close to posts <laughs> you should be away like god it's just and the worst part is they put him down Fully knowing that they had no one in their AHL system anywhere. Who, Calvin Picker. Calvin, is that who they officially <laughs> called up? Their other option was like yeah. Olivier Rodrigo, I think his name is. I don't remember. Olivia Rodrigo? It's something They're like pulling that. pulling up Olivia Rodrigo? Something like Damn, that. Damn, maybe they have a maybe they have a stronger farm system than I thought. She's pretty talented. No, it's a very similar name to hers, though. That's the joke people are making. <laughs> I, that's why, that's why I, I know I messed up the name, because that's where my brain went. I went to the memes, because that is a meme, by the way. That's that's why I knew his name beforehand. I did not know that. Yeah, they have a guy who's... I think his name is literally... I think it might be Oliver, like, actually. But it's like Oliver the same Rodrigo? Or Rod... I think... You can look up, look him up. Oliver... I, is it Oliver Rodri Olivier Rodrigue? Oh, that might be it. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. Yeah, very similar name. I think that he, they, he might be their best shot. But uh, who knows? I mean, anything's better than 4.5. Buddy, the bar is very yeah. low. And it's, 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 cra it's <laughs> crazy. Calvin Pickard, how... the ideal 2015 example of a goaltender who's good to, too good for the AHL but too bad for the NHL. Edmonton Oilers fans, I'm sure they're hyped. But uh, how the hell is a guy who lets in 4.5 goals a game better than Dustin fucking Wolf? Get that man on an NHL roster, and it better be the Flames. If he gets pissed off and goes somewhere else, I will cry. First, you lose Matthew Phillips. Matthew Phillips. I, messed, yeah, I messed up my camera bad when I hit my desk. <laughs> but like when, 
when Matthew Phillips left, I was sad because I thought he was going to be so good for the Flames, and now he's going to be so good for Washington, and it's very depressing. But I think that, and he necessarily hasn't shown that quite yet, but I still think he's going to be incredible when he starts to show out. If we somehow screw up Dustin Wolf, the guy who has, like, a win percentage in the AHL of, like, 80, 20, and, like, 5 or something like that, I... Yeah. Like, the AHL goalie of the year two years in a row? Craig. This is me, Craig. You're a nice guy. I've met you in real life. You are a very nice guy. You signed an autograph for my sister, and I like you for that. But if you mess up Dustin Wolf, <laughs> I swear to fucking God, <laughs> I, I will not forgive you. We haven't had a good goaltender since, like, or, like, Jacob Markstrom was since, fine. Jonas Hiller since, was fine at points. This is the old first guy Kipper. who has given me as much hope as we had when we had Kipper. Do not mess this up for me. I cannot survive without seeing Dustin Wolf dominate for this team. I want to, to be able to, to go buy a Flames Dustin Wolf jersey so bad. But I am so scared. <laughs> because... to, put that in, to put that in perspective, like... He... We haven't had a goalie that has the potential to be this good since Craig Conroy was playing. Yeah. Like... <laughs> and the the worst part is I don't disagree with the idea of, like, letting him get more potential because I understand the idea of not wanting to bring up a prospect too early and ruining their confidence. That's fine. That's fine and dandy. But I think that that, is, that should not be being applied here. Because Dustin... He's already played two full seasons in the AHL. And like he's already gotten that experience. Can I just also point out this? His confidence is at an all-time high. The worst thing that happens is he sucks for three games and we send him down and he'll be fine. That is the yeah. worst-case scenario here. If he, in the WHL, he won goalie of the year after being a seventh-round pick. Then he moved up to the AHL, won goalie of the year and MVP. He, is a, he has a track record that says that on the next level, whenever he's had to move up, he shows out. Last season, when, when we saw him, I thought he was very impressive. I, a in lot of things In the one game he had. I, a lot of things that I saw Nine, were things five, that eight, I have... Eight percentage in that game. A lot of things that That's I saw nice. in that game, I felt like I hadn't seen from a goaltender in between the pipes since a guy like Kipper. And I think that... He has the type of athleticism that is so rare in goaltenders. I think it's that it's I and I know bias flames fan yada yada yada. That is generational athleticism in between the pipes, and we are letting that go to waste. I don't know if I have ever seen somebody be so quick because that is how I would describe him. He is so quick and so good, and we are letting him waste in the AHL playing in front of 500 people for the Wranglers. What the hell? Yeah. Like it's, I, I don't even, I don't even, I can't even begin to unpack how pissed off I am at the management for letting, keeping Dan Vladar and Dan Vladar is a fine backup goaltender, but losing him will never be a bad thing. His a hundred ninety percent of Dan Vladar can be replaced by Oscar Dansk. I'm just saying. 
you risk yeah. Dan Vladar through waivers once and he gets grabbed, you are not losing that much. Yeah, and and I think uh, yeah that that's exactly the point to make. It's like the the, the it, it it sucks because in comparison to what they have now, he's already better. And you also have to think about a guy like Matthew Phillips and thinking like how much patience does a guy like Dustin Wolf has have because he knows that he's good enough to be in the league right now. He knows he could start for a lot of. Um, the 32 NHL teams, or at least be a backup for probably pretty much all of them. Um, Except the Bruins. How long... Yeah, okay. How how long until you're a guy like Dustin Wolf and you just say, like, I've had enough? How long until you make the the same decision Matthew Phillips made? Yeah, that's exactly my point. Yeah. That's exactly my point. Like, I, I can't imagine, like, how much... Um, cause it's not like he's going to say anything, but like, wouldn't you resent a franchise like that? That's just kept you at a lower level, even though you have the ability to come up. So when it comes time to say, Hey, do I resign with the flames or not? Like, what is he going to think? That's yeah. kind of the thing. And it's not like we're close to that at all. Like, uh, we're not anywhere. No, that. but it's, it's projecting that into the future because it's yeah. like the longer this goes on <laughs> and how much does that have an impact? And I understand the idea of, especially with goaltenders, you always want to be safe because confidence is such a big thing. I just think that his confidence has to be so high that a three-game tester period will not kill him. If anything, it might help. Because I think a big... One of the bigger issues for the Flames this year has been in between the pipes. And while I have been a defender of Markstrom this year because I don't think his stats necessarily show how well he's been or how good he's been, I think that you seriously are not losing much in Dan Vladar potentially going down through waivers. I think you are losing so little and potentially gaining the start of a legendary career. I think that... uh, And... Seriously, I have no issue paying Markstrom $6 million to ride the bench for the next three years knowing who the starter is. Just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, I... I don't... I've been so frustrated with this Flames team this year. And I knew it was coming. Like, I remember saying to you, Caleb, that I was excited for this team, but I was... Like, every year, I, I knew that that was just going to lead to disappointment. Because it does every time. But it feels like... Oh, there's a lot of times with this team where it's just like, I don't even have an answer for you to what's wrong. I have an answer. I know exactly what fixes this team. You know exactly what fixes this team. Craig Conroy knows exactly what fixes this team, but he's not doing it. And it's really frustrating, especially considering he is... I The one thing that I've really liked about Craig Conroy, the fact that the only issue I've had with Conroy so far in this season, and Huska, frankly, is the fact that they haven't called up Dustin Wolf yet. Shows that I think that there's they're doing a lot of good things. I like that Conroy's been pulling up a lot of newer, well, younger players, and I like the yes, I, the selection he's been making because I while I didn't I found a, I think his name's Prospil. Can you correct me on that immediately? Pospisil. Pospisil. I I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm tired, but uh, <laughs> like uh, he's been great so far. I've got the Flames game running in the background, and even in this one, he's looked really good. He's had a couple of really nice chances. At the end of the first, he had a really nice rush towards the net that I was telling you in between uh, segments that uh, gave me a lot of very good things because he not only 
he just looked like a really strong attacker in that position where that's not necessarily something you see from a guy coming out of the AHL because that's not, that's usually something you see from somebody who's an NHL veteran and is used to pushing towards the net against NHL level defensemen just strength wise but Pospisil just with no issue broke right through the defense and that, I thought that was really impressive I think that's not necessarily something you see from a rookie so I I thought that was awesome I've actually I've really liked their selection of who they've been calling up I think that they just need to make one more right and the worst part is it almost makes me want the flames to suck for like another five games because I think that's all it's going to take I think that with how yeah. many people I don't think that Craig Conroy's an idiot I think he knows what's going on and with how he's already shown this year he's not afraid to send people down who might get grabbed i think that the next guy down is dan vladar yeah and i i think it kind of has to be that way in terms of craig conroy like you say he's been doing a good job so far i don't think we can judge him good or bad yet i think it's all going to come yeah. down because we want to talk about the flames in a broader context but when now I say that, um can i just quickly like defend myself yeah. first before because i know i know where you're going with it a little bit like i think that one thing that i really like about him from what i've seen and in interviews is it's very very clear that he is very very active when watching this team like he is almost a skit yeah. i think and i yeah. really like that about him so far he's shown that he really cares about this team and i think that's so big even if i know a lot of people had issues with his inaction in the offseason and i including me i thought that there were more moves that could have been made and i did have quite a few issues with the ones he has made in the season so far i think that he's been really good i think he's been making a lot of the moves that i've wanted him to make and would have made myself <laughs> it's that weird thing where you're well, playing gm as the fan right the one issue i've wait, had it's simon yeah still say that even though he sent down coronado to the minors yes i think that was the right move i actually don't have much okay. issue with that i think that a lot of people were mad at it because sure it's just a rookie learning how to be up there but i think it's the type of thing where pro hockey is pro hockey i don't think that five games in the ahl will kill coronado in fact in his first game he already had a goal I think, if anything, it's just bringing up the confidence again. Because I think, sure, he had a pretty good first couple games for the Flames. But I think he started to kind of fall into the... It seemed like the Flames didn't really know where to put him. He had played with, I think, every uh, on every single line with every single player except for two. Like, which isn't something you want for a rookie. Because I think a huge part of learning how to play in the NHL and learning how to play at that next level is consistency. Right, And that is so huge, even if it's just like, whether that be a point every couple games or what have you, right? It's just, I think uh, I think not having that for Coronado was kind of costly in the first 10 games. And I think maybe if we had just stuck him on that second line consistently, it would have been better. But, I mean, so I don't have an issue with it. I don't think it'll be, I don't think he's going to be down there for long. I think he'll quickly be coming back up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that's, that's that's a minor thing i do think like i was i was gonna say i think the biggest thing for conroy that will be the judge of his tenure is how he handles these veteran contracts and yeah. what sure. is he going to delude himself into thinking that um guys like lindholm and like maybe hannafin or 
um like any of the veterans that are on this team have a future here um is he gonna like delude himself into thinking that or is he actually going to try to lean into a youth culture and try to rebuild this team from the ground up that's yeah. kind of what i'm thinking and i'm thinking at this trade deadline i think if you're craig conroy you have to be very active and trying to get rid of as many of these assets as you possibly can to get um capital for the future yeah and i think uh the nice thing is we already kind of have i wouldn't have an issue with signing hannafin actually i think a lot of flames fans really hate the idea and i don't think a lot of people hate it because of the number and they hate it the idea of locking down a player like hannafin that's not why i hate it i actually do like noah hannafin as a defenseman and i would love to be able to keep him i just think that the fact that we already have rasmus anderson and Uyghur locked down makes it really hard because he's a good player but it's not about winning now it's not about having good players now and it's about being a good it's 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 a re it has to be a rebuild do you now. really want to have it's three about... defensemen on your roster making over seven million dollars do i want to have three defensemen especially when they're not necessarily none of them i would say are necessarily top 15 or even 20 that's why i that's why i say like you have to you have to try to get you have to try to dump them you have to try to get rid of them and build for the future Ooh. like i so I, you're I, saying that you are more on the side of dumping even like hubert okadri Uyghur anderson i don't think Is you that can kind of what you're saying oh I, I i yes absolutely but i don't think you can i don't think there's anybody who's going to want them wow. especially hubert okadri maybe not a anderson and like yeah. everybody, Anderson, I'd, I'd want to keep a little bit more because he's a little bit on the younger side. But Hubert, I Andre, really I don't like think anybody's Anderson. gonna want. I don't. I think yeah, that it would be a Anderson really bad would be the one I'd. Anderson. I think he'd be the last one I'd ever <laughs> consider moving. But everybody else, I think, I is can't wide say, open. I think. Okay, I disagree with you on that because I almost say Uyghur has quickly crept into a very similar spot as Anderson, where I think both of them are definitely protected. I think. Kadri and more cat i think Kadri's the most movable because while he has been very disappointing just alongside huberto he is totally the type of player that i could 100 see bouncing back on another team huberto yeah but who, sure. who's gonna want him for that amount of money who's gonna want him for that amount of money nobody yeah yeah we, that, that's we the tough overpaid part, right? both Kadri and huberto so nobody is gonna want them and that is the tough part. Yeah, I like one second. I I forget the exact numbers on his contract, so I'm looking that up quick. Like, like the point of dealing these players is to get something for them. If you're dealing Huberto and Kadri, you're going to have to pay people to take them from you. Yeah, and the thing is, six years, seven million dollars is what's left of his contract. And did your phone die? I think his phone might have died. Yeah, Caleb's phone just died. Okay, well I'm gonna wrap up what I'm saying, and then I'm gonna wrap up the segment. Anyway uh <laughs> solo simon podcast for two minutes what i was going to say nazim kadri i think that he has been uh oh caleb are you back I'm back okay yeah well i was I just gonna I wrap up i was me. gonna wrap up what i was saying and then end the segment <laughs> but anyway yeah i can't hear you you're good but uh I, what i was going to say is six years seven million dollars that is bad but I think that the only way... I think he is actually tech kind of movable. Because I thought that his contract was a little bit... We'd be retaining a lot. I think that you're looking at it without retaining. Anyway, I can't hear you right now. I, that's, yeah, I guess. That's the only way I could ever see it. Like, look like, at it like this. I can't Flames see it retain half. Flames take half. Are you telling me there's not a lot of teams in this league that would take Kadri for three and a half? 
Or even like yeah. not even the Flames don't even retain half. They retain mo- like just under four and a half. Kadri's a player who I could see yeah, anywhere but... around five. I think there's a lot of teams in the league that would be willing to take him, and I think that's the only way that the Flames he... move him. Has he been? Has even if we retain half, has has he been playing well enough for a team to want to give up anything for him? That's the thing that I was going to say as well. I think that it would be the type of move where it's just the Flames are cutting their losses. I could see us potentially getting a low-level prospect and maybe like a mid-round pick for him, and it'd just be yeah, the type like of situation where we're just it? trying to open up a roster spot. I don't think it's not worth it. I wouldn't be opposed to it because of the idea because of the roster spot it all opens. But uh yeah, I I don't know. I I think that's a conversation to have around the trade deadline. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think I think the Flames need to be active around the trade deadline. If they're not then yes. then Con- Conroy's tenure is looking a little bit Because uh, I do agree with you. I think that the Flames do need to start heading in that direction. I think Huberdeau's unmovable. We're stuck with mm-hmm. we're stuck with Hubie Dewey Do. Hopefully he turns it around. But I think that Kadri is very much not so. I think if any of the players you listed, that being Huberto, Kadri, Uyghur, and Anderson, leave this team in the next before their contract ends, it'll be Kadri. And I almost guarantee you it will be Kadri. Because even just like looking at the effect and the stories like that all these players have had in the last couple years with the Flames. Huberto's unmovable. Uyghur has very much shown that he's already a leader in this locker room, and you can say the exact same thing about Anderson. Kadri's the black sheep, if you will, where he's the guy who almost has stuck out on this, out of all those four players. And he has, in recent weeks, we've actually heard, I think actually yesterday the story came out about him mentoring Connor Zari, which I think kind of, uh, which I think is awesome, because I think that... Uh, if Zari can maybe gain a little bit of a little bit from Kadri, that actually adds a lot of to his chances of staying up at the NHL level. Because I mean, especially I think Kadri's doing him a big favor there, right? Where like it's the type of thing where if it's shown that he's actually getting a lot of playing at the NHL level, even if he's not necessarily showing it in on the in the box score, I think that it makes it a lot easier to keep him on the main roster. But, uh, yeah, I think if anybody gets moved, it's Kadri, and I think he's the only one who I can uh, even imagine leaving. Well, out of, out of, out of those four. Yeah. But I think if anybody gets moved, it's going to be like Lindholm. Oh, sure. no, that's like, not what those, I mean. those, are, those are, yeah. those are the guys that need to be, I don't to like now. That's not the statement I was making. I was just saying, based okay. on the guys we out have of on those contracts. Four. And you can okay, throw Markstrom in there as well if you want. But I think that of out of... No, and, I, I agree with you then. Yeah, because it's the just the type of thing where, like, I think that there's no way we're retaining anything on Huberdeau. That, that's not worth it. Like, he, his contract's too big. We're keeping him forever. Three yeah. and a half million for three years is not that bad. For country, like, yeah, it, yeah. It, That's not that bad, especially if you look at it like this. Chances are that spot's going to be getting filled by someone on a rookie contract. Yeah. Like, I don't have much issue with it. So I, I think that that's the thing that would make the most sense to me. That's probably where I would look for a trade. Because everywhere I, else, I, I, yeah. everywhere my, my, else is My tough. only thing, so you prioritize Lindholm and Hannafin getting rid of them. And then, yeah, yeah. so out of the guys that have long-term contracts, I think it's easiest to move Kadri. But, like, I think, again, my point, is, my point is just that I don't think it's, it's going to get back enough 
to where you're gonna want to and that's do not it. what like, i'm I, saying like i i'm saying that i think that it's totally just about like beginning that rebuild i think that's what it'll take even if you don't get much out of it like you're just getting yeah. rid of a bad contract and you're freeing up a roster spot because sure Kadri's fine but ha do you really want that spot in the top six taken for the next six years from a guy like coronado or a guy like zari or a guy like anybody moving through the ahl or even a guy we draft do you really want Kadri to be the guy stealing all of those minutes when he doesn't deserve his contract now yeah yeah i think it just comes down to that right like i think that there's a lot of teams that would have no issue taking him at three and a half especially a team that is contending and could very much or contending in the future that can afford three and a half for a guy like Kadri, who right now is absolutely a top six forward if he can you know get back into that spot on a good team and at worst he's a very good third line center yeah yeah but anyway think... we can move on we Thanks again, everybody, for watching the Trick Play podcast this week. Uh, if you enjoyed what you listened to, then you can subscribe to us on YouTube, find us on Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. If you're looking for audio, um, make sure to find us. Boom, I got it this time right here. Oh, that was smooth. Oh, crap. No. <laughs> Wait, there we go. <laughs> Come on. There you go. You got to get the practice. One of us always uh, has to mess up. <laughs> That's how it is. Yeah. I thought yeah, I had it down so, until, so yeah, until it, like you're so confident you're like, oh no, no, this way. Um, yeah, Fresh Take Network viewers, where you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcasts. Um, but other than that, I'm gonna move on to my. I'm being a real negative Nancy this week. I have a another anti shout. I have another anti shout. I guess I did do a positive one last week with my beautiful filming location, but um, <laughs> I'm going to do I'm going to do an anti shout out this week and it's something we already talked about on the podcast um, which is why like it's not going to get a full segment, but it's just another detail to a story we talked about that I think is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Um, so the, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, we talked about it last week. They fired yeah. Josh McDaniels and they fired Dave Ziegler. I don't know if you've heard this, Simon, but details have come out about what the end of Josh McDaniel's tenure in Las Vegas looked like. And I it... think I heard about it. Oh, so although obviously, I, I like, think it, it... I I heard about it and I thought it was a joke tweet. I know it sounds like a joke tweet, but it's not. Uh, multiple sources have like corroborated this that this really? did indeed happen. Okay, well, we're going to see if we're talking about the same thing. So but if we are, then yeah. Oh, this I'm, is I'm nice. sure. I'm sure I'm sure we are because again I I thought it sounded like a joke tweet too because so, this um, I I don't know when this came out but I just want to open by saying I heard about this before we recorded that segment I saw one source say it and I was like I'm not going to oh, mention that because there's no way that's real maybe if it came out before we recorded it maybe we're not thinking of the same thing but we'll see so I was the Raiders I, I just did great last week they blew out the Giants. Yeah partially because the Giants are bad, but you can also see that, like, players are playing a lot more free. Like, Josh McDaniels was clearly <laughs> bringing them down. Um, I saw, I heard a stat. I'm, I'm going to butcher this stat because I heard it on a podcast while I was half awake. But it was something like the last time the Raiders had a shutout going into half was in 2012. And guess who that was against? 
the Denver Broncos and Josh McDaniels. Oh, (laughs) which is uh, that's another detail, but that's not that's kind of funny. But um, so you can see they're playing a lot freely. And based on the details that came out of a meeting with that, the Raiders had, you might see why. Oh, so you might not have heard of this then. This is wild. So um, the Raiders, obviously, they weren't doing well. So they decide Josh McDaniels decided to have a meeting where players could openly can I, wait, talk whoa, whoa, whoa. about like oh shit i was gonna i was gonna have another guess i was gonna okay guess first. i was gonna guess you can first. still you can <sighs> you could you can still fire a guess because i don't know if you know where this is gonna go yeah. so hey jimmy, a, g. Jimmy, a, g. jimmy g jimmy g listen listen buddy there's only one way we could fix this team i've got the tv set up i'm gonna need to look at your phone <laughs> we're gonna have to go we're gonna have to go through the phone like let's see that tetris head score let's see your clash of clans base we got to go through it all buddy it's the only way we can fix this team that's my personal he, he did not like he did not like babcock darn um but uh it was almost like it's not the same kind of bad but it's still pretty bad so he holds this meeting and the players and he kind of intends it to be like a moment where the players can all come together, right? And like start reforming their team. But what it in- instead turns into is players completely airing their grievances about Josh McDaniels and just being <laughs> like completely fed up with his style of coaching. And apparently it's so bad that Josh McDaniels, um, weak man that he is, decides that he cannot stand up for himself. He does not feel like he has the power to speak for himself. So he turns to the new coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, Antonio Pierce, to speak on his behalf and defend him. <laughs> Holy crap! So Antonio Pierce, who is beloved by the players in this locker room, starts defending like Josh McDaniels and defending the way they've been doing it, and tries, in, in the meantime, less so defending him and trying to bring them together as a team, because that's his ultimate goal. Yeah. He talks, and he talks about how, like, Things may seem bleak now, but he brings up. Um, I, I think he was somehow involved in the in the Giants in the early 2010s, where he said, "Like, think about that team where they went up against the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl, but we came into that thinking we could win, no matter who the opponent was. Um, any given Sunday, like you, if you have belief in yourself, you can win. That's the point he's making to the team. That's what he the he wants them to embody going forward. Very obvious, like good coaching message. Yeah. Um, but say. Josh McDaniels, after not being able to speak up for himself and nominating Antonio Pierce to speak for him, waits until the players leave the room and gets furious at Antonio Pierce wow. and says to him, "Don't you ever talk about the Patriots like that." Because who was the coordinator of that team? Josh McDaniels. So that's what came out of the Las Vegas Raiders the last day. And just goes to show that we thought Josh McDaniels was terrible, but he's even worse than we thought. Because not only can (laughs) he not stand up for himself... way worse than the Mike Babcock thing. Holy crap! It's so much worse. It's so much worse. Not only can he not stand up for himself, but when the guy who nominates... He nominates to stand up for himself... Brings up like a perfectly good argument. He gets all self-defensive. Yeah, go Antonio Pierce. Yeah. And Josh McDaniels is never getting another um, head coaching job in the NFL ever again. No. Um, The only place you'd ever get hired even as an offensive coordinator would be the Patriots. Yeah. (laughs) Under Bill Belichick specifically. Yeah. No, I thought that was obvious. That's the only context he works. 
That's yeah. the only context. Well, because Bill Belichick's not going to be the coach of the Patriots for much longer. But, um... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming. That guy's been there for longer than time. My my shout-out is actually – I I don't necessarily want to call it – it's it's a shout-out, but it's not necessarily I, – I won't label it as good or bad. I just want to shout it out because it's something that uh, has been a very, very common place in the NHL for the last couple of years, and I think uh, – it has been talked about a lot. It actually, I looked down and they were just talking about it during the intermission of the Flames game. But um, Trevor Freeman, who was one of the traveling Yoggers, passed away. I don't know if it was, mm. I think it was over the last weekend. But I thought about shouting that out because I think that is so awesome. I think if you followed their entire journey, adding people with Yoggers throughout the NHL, I think that's, uh, that, their entire, that is the type of, fans who need to be talked about more in the nhl because they're that was so awesome and what that was happening getting that in calgary for the short period we did was so cool and uh in the last week on twitter especially i've seen a lot of stories even in yager's short time and their short time in calgary a lot of people coming out and telling stories about meeting uh trevor when he was part of the group and all that so uh, there was a lot of uh there's a lot of cool stuff coming out about them in the last week so i wanted to highlight that because that's a really cool there's been a lot more it felt like we haven't heard from them in a couple of years and being able to hear that they're still going strong in the czech republic <laughs> has been pretty cool because yeah apparently they did travel to the czech republic this last week to uh celebrate with uh yager to honor obviously their founder which is just awesome so i wanted to shout out that mm-hmm. Not quite as funny as uh, the whole McDaniel's thing, but I think it deserves to be <laughs> deserves to be yeah. pointed out because it's a good story. It's uh, just mm-hmm. pointing out because they're 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 really cool. If you don't know, if you weren't around necessarily as a fan that far back to remember what it was like seeing the <laughs> seeing the the group of yoggers in the crowd, I'd I'd look up some videos of them because they were pretty funny. It was an event. It was an event. Yeah. Anytime they were there. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, we can wrap up the podcast. I think. I think we're. I think we're good. I. That's kind of ending it on a more depressing note compared to the McDaniel's thing. But I. I wanted to make sure that I pointed it out because it's a. It's a good story. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Also, the Flames suck. I'll also end it on that. I'm watching the Flames national game right now. They're still losing. It's yeah. I think. I think anybody who walked up to this point kind of knows that the Flames suck. (laughs) <laughs> true no they 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 heard my rant that's very true everybody yeah. watching this heard my rant about oh what a pass backland buddy you suck okay never mind we can wrap up the podcast now it would have been cool <laughs> to see a backland goal live on the podcast it didn't yeah. happen no nope, that's all right. not happening yeah it probably won't happen ever i wouldn't expect a backland goal nope. ever but uh i think uh that'll do it thanks again for watching the podcast follow us everywhere that you can think of if we're probably there uh, make sure to check us out. If you're watching the video, go check us out on the Fresh Take Network. That's where all of our audio versions go up, including this one. If you're watching it or listening to it over the over the Fresh Take Network, you can check us out over on YouTube, which is where the video of this version go. That didn't make a lot of sense. You know what I mean. My brain no worky. Thanks for watching. See you next week.